That was the most boring pre-show. Like, I don't know what I'm going to grab from that. Just grab that. That's the most boring (laughs) pre-show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Clever Kids Podcast, the weekly pop culture podcast where three brothers dive into uh, different pop culture topics. Uh, I am your host, Tyler. I'm here with my brothers, Brian. Hey, guys. How's it going? (laughs) What up, what up? (laughs) It's like always a surprise. I always see the shock on your face when I say your name. (laughs) I That was your idea for me to call out your name and and introduce you that way. You realize that, right? That was your idea. Sorry. Sorry, when um, we do this once a week, it's kind of hard to remember the routine. I almost, I yeah, almost once made, a week for... I, I almost made like a fifty thousand dollar mistake at my at work yesterday. Part of my job is I have to monitor a robot that's fully capable of driving off the side of a building, and I was watching it just about to drive off the side of a building, and I was like, "Someone should stop that!" And I was like, "Oh fuck, that's me." <laughs> uh, and then you went diving off the side, or what? no? I had a I had a remote in my hands that I was supposed to stop. Little Captain America moment where you're like hanging from the building and pulling the helicopter in at the bit. same time. A little bit, a little muscle flex. That was that scene was literally only created to show off Chris Evans' body. They Where? literally made him wear like a size extra small T-shirt. They like specially it, shortened the T-shirt so it made him look even more ripped. Yeah, and that's and that's what it felt like with that Thor like Vision Quest scenario. It's like oh, him and the hot Thor, Thor, yeah, Thor with the shirt off for a second here. Okay, I'm sorry, but that moment where he's holding the helicopter to the building is pretty sick. Like yeah. that's pretty tight to no, see how awesome. strong he, like, how strong he is. This obviously, is criticism, and they're really good-looking dudes, so whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, obviously they shape it so that, like, Chris Evans looks incredible, but also it's to show, like, this is how fucking beast Captain America is, you know what I mean? You can stop a fucking helicopter from taking off. It's pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that movie, by the way. Um, uh, gonna have to cut that out. Um, Alright, so this week... We are doing a bit of a showdown, I guess, right? Like, I don't, what, should we, should we come up with a name for this? Like, a, a showdown? <laughs> I don't know. What to dueling call grounds. It. Dueling grounds. Uh, name to be, to be. I think, so I think our concepts are going to be a little bit more broad than just a duel, but actually, yeah, kind of, it works, I think. So let's just rock it. Yeah, I don't. I, we'll come up with something better than dueling grounds and better than a showdown, but um, that will come at a later date. Any listeners who want to come up with a better idea, it's called that. Pop Culture Showdown. Shoot, shoot your ideas our way, and don't listen to Brian's ideas. I'm gonna cut yours out. Um, <laughs> Brian, why don't you right? Why don't you tell us? You're the one. You said that you went way deep on this this week so yeah i got a little carried away. i had a little extra time this morning so um the original concept is stemming from a game that um i don't know if jeff's ever played but tyler and i played called super fight which is you know you basically get a character and then you get other cards that uh, apply attributes or powers to that character and those can be positive or negative and then you basically argue why your character would beat someone else's character in a uh, a fight and what we're doing is just applying that to pop culture, literally anything from pop culture versus anything. And our challenge was to, you know, kind of put it to the other two to kind of talk it out and talk about who would come out the victor in, in any particular scenario. And I just kind of threw out the added, 
hey, don't make it easy. Don't put up Superman versus Batman because Superman's just going to, you know, liquefy him um, or throw him into space or something like that. I don't want to hear the prep time BS crap. Anyway, so it was it was about really challenging, um, you know, each other to like come up with something that you'd have to really think about and it would actually force some conversation. Um, and, and I personally have a, a few here that I think are really tricky and it should elicit some good conversation, but... Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what these guys came up with as well. Jump in, Brian. Go. You 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 put you ran with this. I wrote down. I went on Reddit and looked up a couple of pages where people were already having this conversation. It was like, oh yeah, that would be sick. And I wrote those down. That's my research. So you fucking go. Well, wild. mine's mine's very similar. I went through Reddit. Reddit's my baby, man. I'm on Reddit all the time. But uh, I went through Reddit. You know, made Reddit. me a lot of money this week, guys. And that's all I'm gonna say. Nice. Yeah. Do you know the uh, the subreddit? They have a subreddit for who would win. You know that, right? Yeah, that's that. Some of ours are probably the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the first one, I think Tyler will like this one a lot. And it should uh, elicit a good conversation. All versions of James Bond are dropped in the city of New York in random locations with one mission. Be the last James Bond alive. Each one talking? in the first scenario. What, what's your question? Sorry. No, go ahead. In the first scenario, and I actually have some like fallbacks in case the first answer is too easy for some of these. In the first scenario, each one only has their standard handgun. Who who comes out alive? Walter PPK, dude. Um. So I guess in this one, when I was thinking I mean, about it, I got. It. I I'm gonna sound really. Oh, was well, there more? Sorry. Well, I, I was just going to say, I mean, really all you're considering is their ability to shoot, their ability to chase, their ability to, to like, probably hand-to-hand combat's coming in here at some point. Unless you got someone that's just an absolute sniper with a handgun. All right. First um, off, how many James Bonds are there? Uh, Seven. You got... Seven. You got Daniel Craig, Timothy Dalton, uh, Roger Moore. Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan, Sean Connery. How many am I at? Six. Uh, and then you got uh, the Australian George Lazenby. So what is it? Seven. Um, Six or seven, and, yeah. And Six. then, I mean, it, are you counting non-Eon production James Bonds? Because there was another guy, Jimmy something, an American guy who played James no, Bond. No, we'll, sti- we'll stick with our standard, standard Bonds. From the main co- continuity. Um, yeah, so seven. I don't think I missed anybody. Yeah, that's all of them. Um, so it's seven. So uh, George Lazenby is probably out only because we only ever saw him in one movie. And it wasn't, in my opinion, it's not the strongest James Bond movie. It's pretty slow. And we don't see a lot of him doing a lot. And for that same reason, I don't know, man. So Sean Connery had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of different things. And so he was in some really action heavy ones. And then he was in some like really slow ones. Right. So Sean Connery is, but he's also like more suave, like charm your pants off and then kill you in secret kind of thing. Whereas like Daniel Craig, I feel like it's like, it's really, it comes down to Daniel Craig is just like a fucking like, Terminator in those movies. He's so brutal and kills so many people. Sean Connery's but, more about like, you know, waiting for the moment to strike. It's not so much like a firefight, right? 
right? Like he's, you know, yeah. he's either aware of the man behind the closet door or he's not. It's, it's, and then he gets captured and waits for this, the perfect moment to seize the opportunity to escape, right? Like it's, it's not necessarily him in a firefight out shooting the other guy in a draw. Like it's, it's suave, it's spy tactics. Um, and as you get closer right. into like the 70s, 80s, 90s, it just became more about the gadgets. And I would say that like you look at the Timothy Dalton, Timothy Dalton you look at the Pierce Brosnan, their biggest attributes in this fight is the fact that they adapt really well to a fight. Like they would, you know, if they're chasing someone, every single one of them operates boats with fucking precision and, you know, can jump into a helicopter and can do this. Like they're all perfectly trained spies that can adapt to whatever yeah. phase of the fight scene. That being said, when it comes down to a hand-to-hand fight, Daniel Craig just is unparalleled. He's, he's, he's definitely a little bit more violent, I think, than some of the others that are but it's probably just the nature of the, the, the you know, the times, right? The choreography. Exactly. Stuff is I mean, you go from, like, if you look at the, it's so funny. I was literally just listening to a pot, re-listening to an episode of a podcast that I really like called Do Go On, where they talk about the origins of James Bond and they talk about like Ian Fleming and the books. And then they talk about the movies and stuff like that. And like, I've read all of the books and, James Bond in the books is literally described as a blunt instrument. Like he is just an assassin. Like that's his whole thing. Like the movies turned him into this like gentleman spy, like sexy, woo your pants off. But like in the books, like he's just a fucking, like, he's a murderer, but like for the government, you know what I mean? Like he's not, like, he's basically a serial killer. Like it's just, and I, I think that Daniel Craig is that, you know, he's just, he's like, point me in a direction and I'll just take everybody out, right? And the Sean Connery versions, while I like that version, I just don't see how he does against, you know, this, this you know, these unstoppable forces. That being said, there is an argument to be made that Timothy Dalton, I mean, the Timothy Dalton movies, uh, Living Daylights and uh, whatever, uh, License, no. Is it License to Kill? Is it another one? I think it is. Um, he, they, uh, those are basically the same movies as like Daniel Craig. Like he is like very violent and like just goes on like killing sprees in those movies basically. And then people didn't really like those in the 80s. And so they went with, they came and they did Pierce Brosnan. And Pierce Brosnan might be the best argument because he's coming with gadgets. But he, he's like, not. Like Jeff said, He's but not he, coming oh, with well, gadgets, though. And that's right. my point is I think Daniel Craig would win because he doesn't get the, the spy car. He doesn't get the exploding pen. It's just him and the pistol. I'll, I'll wait for scenario two, and I'll agree with you on Pierce Brosnan. But in this scenario, if he's just got his handgun and he has to go try and find Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig's going to find him first. So is there a Daniel second Craig, scenario? D- there are. Um, oh, sorry. D- but if we spend too much time on this, we don't need to go into them. But um, – Daniel Craig is the best at the chases. I think, you know, just in general, it seems like he really just goes ripping through environments. Um, I will say this about Brosnan, though. One, I think he's got the most impressive kills. Like, he's, he kills some pretty beastly guys. And two, he's the only one that fights against a, a former double O, isn't he? Yeah, he fights uh, against yeah. Sean Bean, right? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, he, 006, the guy, so, so pre- his predecessor, he takes out and, the guy. And he's got ridiculous scenes him. where he like, you know, makes some crazy ass shots and things like that. I think Brosnan is getting slept on here Dude, a little bit. Real quick, that opening scene of Goldeneye, where he like jumps off of the Hoover Dam and like, bun- he like bungee jumps down 
and then at the like then he and Sean Bean go ripping through like the underground thing and like blood and then Sean Bean gets killed and then he's running and the plane he kills the guy who's driving the plane and the plane is just going by itself he skydives off after the plane lands in the plane and then flies the plane away oh my god so good <laughs> so sick <laughs> dude and you know what it's the same guy Martin Campbell directed Goldeneye and Casino Royale and they're the two best James Bond movies in my opinion. He should just be the only person allowed to direct those movies. Yeah, Bro- Brosnan also has the opening scene in Tomorrow Never Dies where he has like a whole tank fight and yeah, uh, uh, the hover and the hovercraft. The fight. hovercraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brosnan is a violent motherfucker. I, I get it. Like, Look, I'm, he kills a lot of fucking people in those movies. I'm, I'm, like I'm looking at, like I'm trying to picture, like okay, like sure, if they get into a a, a, a shootout, I'm sorry. I think Daniel Craig is is a little bit more. Uh, aggressive he's more in the firefight. of a soldier, and That's and the when they get still a like, I'm he picturing soldier, yeah. the most the most recent uh, James Bond I saw was Spectre, and I'm picturing that opening scene where he's in the fucking helicopter and he's just so fucking recklessly beating everyone in the helicopter. Dude, yeah. uh, that he's... moment where he swings <laughs> and kicks that dude out the door. Yeah. I'm yeah, so, so brutal. I think we can agree that this comes down to Brosnan versus Craig, uh, yeah. versus Craig, and it's kind of hard to to differentiate. But I also think that that comes from the times, right? Like in the in the '60s when Sean Connery was James Bond, people wanted like a more subdued. You know, I mean, you're talking about the height a, of the Cold War when it was actual spy shit. It wasn't like fighting in broad daylight action movie shit. You know what I mean? Well, we're also James talking Bond about evolved into an action movie, right? So we're now. About- 1960s cinema, right? I mean, it was more about the film, the set, the the acting, and oh, all the of clothing, that. right? Okay, yeah. so so let's keep this moving then. I think I think it's a consensus that it really just it's kind of a toss up between Brosnan and Craig. So I I'm vote throw... leaning towards Craig for me, but okay. that might I'm just be because in... I like him the best of all the James Bonds. I'm gonna throw in a quick second scenario before we move on to the next one. Um, each one gets any and all of the equipment from their films for the fight. Does that uh, us- Roger Moore probably then? I was <laughs> going to say, does, does it give us a, a decisive winner between those two? And does one of the other guys come out of nowhere to, to get a win? Roger Moore has like jetpacks and laser watches and all kinds of crazy shit. It makes it interesting, right? And Brosnan has the vanishing car. <laughs> yeah, with rockets in it and shit. Yeah, that, that drives itself. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, he has a remote control for it. He doesn't even have to be in it. He just goes and sits somewhere yeah, and just drives it around. It's a fucking Batmobile. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, does not Craig still have a chance? He has less gadgets. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. So, um, I, I, I don't know if Craig stands as much of a chance. I like We don't see him overcoming as many devices as we see the other ones like he does, a lot he of does the... take the uh 009's car that thing's pretty beastly he fights uh what's his face in it right uh, um a drax the destroyer <laughs> he fights oh, drax yeah. he does yeah. take out a guardian of the galaxy in that thing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but none of the gadgets are working oh you know what he fights drax hand to hand in that train that is dude. a violent scene dude that while scene filming brutal. that scene he tore his acl and they had to hold they had to put the movie on hold for a while because wow. he like actually tore his acl while filming yeah it. and that, that scene is so <laughs> it's yeah. great though so so all right so before we move on tyler overall who, who would you pick in the james bonds who's walking away the winner with that second scenario 
probably Brosnan with all of his gadgets. Yeah. Like he's the one that comes yeah. gadget heavy by the end of it. I know? don't I don't see how how Craig could uh compete overcome the the vanish. <laughs> right. Yeah, does he get the giant laser thing satellite too? <laughs> uh, I guess that's not really his tech, but um, yeah, I'm going to go Brosnan. I think that he has the combination of violence and technology, and I think they, they kind of shy away from the tech for Craig for some reason. Um, okay, uh, one of you guys want to throw out a scenario? No, keep going. You got all you got, of them. You want me to keep going? Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, this one's fun, and I'm hoping that it'll elicit some conversation and not be too obvious of an answer. All right, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone <laughs> is a youngling in the Jedi Temple. <laughs> during the revenge of the sith can he beat anakin <laughs> here's the scenario he has the appropriate level of training for his age in the jedi program he senses via the force that anakin is coming to the temple with bad intentions so he has 12 hours to prepare he cannot leave the temple and either has to incapacitate anakin or die and neither side gets outside help. Anakin has his standard equipment, but like you don't get any soldiers or Jedi helping. Um, and Kevin has access to any and all material and resources that might reasonably be found at the temple. Hmm. So he gets a lightsaber and force powers and Anakin chops his head off. I don't understand. <laughs> he lays <laughs> traps, dude. With a what? <laughs> he doesn't have paint cans, okay? <laughs> like, see that's the part that I, I would get tripped up on is like what could reasonably be at the temple but I imagine that they have some pretty destructive like stuff that he could put into place and like the real question is like so I was reading through this scenario and the, re the real question comes down to like people were like hey but reasonable people wouldn't just like randomly grab a doorknob that's burning at 400 degrees and like you know like a lot of Kevin McAllister's like uh, ability to defeat the bad guys was their naivety or like them being ignorant or stupid right or and, or and then someone was like yeah or or somebody with like a lot of hubris right and like then all of a sudden someone was like oh you mean like anakin knowing that obi-wan had the high ground still going for the job <laughs> so really <laughs> really you have to picture anakin being a guy that um you know is willing to just barrel in right he's not sure. exactly methodical so i i think that plays in kevin's favor and if we could, you know, sure. we don't need episode to go through three. what traps he could create. But episode really, three, you, you get you get Obi Wan and Anakin getting caught in a force field, and Obi Wan saying, "Hold on a minute, we're smarter than this." Like, sure, absolutely, Anakin would barrel. Yeah. And also, in Attack of the Clones, when Anakin's in the weird robot factory, the droid factory, he's getting beat up by droids yeah. all the time. Like those, and they're not even trying to attack him. They're just like mechanical arms swinging about, and he's getting he's his super ass kicked. He's super yeah. reckless. Yeah. So he's the perfect guy for Kevin to take out, right? Right. Except I guess, yeah, he's I mean the he, Jedi he's Temple, overly confident. But but the Jedi Temple is what I'm saying is ill equipped to defend. It's a it's we're talking about a peacekeeping organization that all they have guys, is their kyber yeah. crystals, right? Like Okay, so I was gonna ask, do you know enough of the temple and what it would have there to like picture him being able to lay some traps that might be it's it's not like a police station where they have an arsenal for him to go pick up a fucking rocket launcher or something right like all he has is his lightsaber which he has to assemble himself when his kyber crystal like is uh, calls to him which i i don't know if a youngling would have had their lightsabers by that point i i i, I think you're you're digging into the wrong part we have to focus more on kevin McAllister's trap making ability yeah it's not, not about his him. lightsaber he's not gonna fight him anakin once anakin gets his hands on him it's over so 
that, that, that conversation, don't even worry about the lightsaber. And I mean, maybe he can use the lightsaber as a trap, though. You know, like put it somewhere where it activates as Anakin's walking by and freaking doors him or something. Like, that's more I'm thinking. Or let's just assume that he has, like, modern household supplies, right? Let's assume that the Jedi Temple just happens to have paint cans and tacks <laughs> that he can lay on the ground. Sure. And, and Kevin McAllister can shut the lights off. You know? <laughs> like, I just I just see... Anakin, a.k.a. Darth Vader, walking up to a closed door and fucking force-pushing the shit out of it to slam it open instead of calmly Anakin entering. Anakin swings and conks him on the head. <laughs> like, 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 how much can Anakin withstand or, like, how, like, perceptive would he be to the those The thing traps? is, the Force alerts him to coming dangers, right? Sort of like a spider-sense situation. So Does remember it? in at the beginning of Attack of the, uh, of the Clones when, Padme, when they're, they're using Padme as bait to track the bounty hunter? And then she puts the weird worms in there, and then they both feel it, and then yeah. they run in and they kill them. Like and he it kicks open the door and slices the slugs within inches of Padme's face in the dark with precision. That kid's exactly. dead, bro. Yeah, I just don't see how. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on who's writing it. We could write a version where Anakin's a bumbling oaf, and you know, like yeah, I guess I guess I, I would just argue like you got to remove his precog abilities then because you know if he's able to detect it to that level he'll just know that something's fucked up's about to happen and be able to jump out of there or whatever like but at the same time you know i wonder if in that moment like they're killing jedi around the galaxy like i just wonder if there's enough going on around him to kind of like dull his senses or something to where you could suspend some disbelief and assume that he might step on some tacks in the dark you know (laughs) And then all of a sudden, bump right into the button on McAllister's lightsaber. I don't. I don't think McAllister has a chance. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's an interesting. I, I, there was one that went viral on the internet a couple of years ago that I was actually thinking of bringing up now, but it's Kevin McAllister versus the Predator. Because the Predator, like, like it's that's basically the first Predator movie is just Arnie laying traps for. Um, the Predator and the Predator tripping the traps, you know, and who's the best trap layer? Kevin McAllister. So Rambo, you know, it, it makes it interesting. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It's an interesting discussion. But anyway, what do you got? Who who's got next? Jeff, you got one. I, I I've got one. I I didn't do a ton of research. I mean, I obviously I've done a bit on that subreddit before. I've I've enjoyed conversations, but I myself just kind of let inspiration come to me over the last week, and I had a thought: who would win in a ship battle? Between Captain Hook and Captain Jack Sparrow. Probably Captain Jack Sparrow. Hmm. I feel like we see Jack Sparrow fight in ship battles. And we see Captain Hook get his ass kicked by children quite often. (laughs) So, I don't know. I feel like Jack wins on this one. Right. Yeah, I mean, we don't see a whole lot of Hook's um, captaining abilities come into play. I mean, like, really, we see none of them. <laughs> like, they spend their time chasing kids around. Like, they're not, you know, doing any kind of seafaring tactical, you know, display at all. Like, do we even see him steer his ship? When it's flying. I think in the animated movie. Does the yeah. ship ever move, or is it just a location that they go into? Uh, well, they kidnap... Uh, Peter Pan's children at the beginning of Hook with okay, a flying so, with a flying pirate ship. Right, so, they beat him. We win. Hook. So basically, if Jack Sparrow has sired some illegitimate children in Tortuga, Captain Hook would be very good at going and capturing them and using them as 
and then so, Jack would come and kill him and take his kids back. That's, that's a leverage. movie. There you go. There's the movie. I would watch the shit out of that. But I, they're doing a new. <laughs> I would watch. The they're doing a new that. pirates movie with uh, Marco Robbie as the lead, apparently. And then gonna get rid of Jack Sparrow altogether, not doing it. You know what I gotta say? That totally gets me back on board. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like other than that, I wasn't really interested, but I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I like so. So I, I will say this. I will say this. What we what we do see is Captain Hook's fighting ability. Right? I mean, we see him fight Peter Pan multiple times in different right. films. And apparently he's really good. And we also see Jack Sparrow's. Mm-hmm. So if you broke it down a little bit deeper into just a one-on-one fight between the two, I think that's a damn good question because... You got you know, Captain Hook and Jack Sparrow, and they're on a ma- They're on opposite ends of a ship's mast. Yeah, they're in the rigging. <laughs> High above. They're up in the rigging. <laughs> yeah, and only one of them can survive. One is going down into the water. Who I wins? Think- I think Hook's a little bit more vicious, depending on which like version of Hook you find. I think Hook is a little bit more vicious and is angry at all times. Yeah, but also his anger, it becomes his weakness. He always gets in fights or like gets gets overcome by his anger and sees red. And then that's what Peter Pan is able to use it against him. I mean, if you really want to draw a parallel, Captain Barbosa is very similar to Captain Hook. It's the way that he's written, right? Like he's very much that like specific pirate captain that you imagine when you think of a pirate captain. Like that's what Barbosa is. And Jack is able to use his anger and his hubris against him often. So I don't know. Yeah, but he, he knows Barbosa intimately. He doesn't know Hook. He might not understand the archetype, but he doesn't have the ability to push Barbosa. He has the ability to push Barbosa's buttons, whereas Hook is a stranger to him. Yeah, well, and on top of that, I think... Jack, I, I just don't picture Jack being like we've seen him fight, and he holds up in in right. He can defend Paris himself. Caribbean universe, but Jack, uh, but Hook is really depicted as a fencer, a fencer, the greatest of pirates. He's a fighter. He's down to scrape. The only person that beats Hook is a kid with a very st- distinct advantage, right? And like this kid <laughs> is also depicted as a really good fighter. So like, not only does the kid hold his own on just fights, but um. You know, he could fly. Like, he can come up under you, he can come around you, and get, you know, on top of you. Like, I'm picturing Hook. I'm picturing uh, Dustin Hoffman's Captain Hook in the movie Hook because that's where we really see him fight. And he doesn't really show any fear. Like, he's down for the fight. He's super down to get in the, in the scrape until the alligator and the clock thing. And that's just, like, his kryptonite. But what happens when um, Jack Sparrow reminds Captain Hook that he's old, alone, and done for? <laughs> What, what what happens? Well, the entire point. Are you saying that Captain Hook has had flying powers throughout most of the fight? Because that changes things. Because that, that's yeah, the version I, of Hook I'm imagining is Jason Isaac's version. So no, it's I, the the most vicious version of Hook has got to be Dustin Hoffman. He's yeah eh, yeah maybe I don't know. He's also like the most gentlemanly. Got by, by the way. Is. Yeah. One way to really kind of assess the ability of the fighters is to look at who they've beaten. And need I remind you, Dustin Hoffman's Captain Hook defeats Rufy. Oh! Yeah, and he's beating Robin Williams, the and, great man. Dude, and he throws a move on Rufio, bro. I mean, I didn't even see that shit coming. It gets him right in the chest. Okay? Yeah. Okay, who's Jack Sparrow beating? Really? Who's he beating? Uh, Blackbeard, <laughs> Barbosa, uh, Ghost, 
He beats of Immortal Skeletons. <laughs> he beats Immortal he Ghosts. Any of those guys. When, when, what part does he beat any of them? He just he fights beats, them and then runs. He beats Immortal Flying Dutchman. He beats so the real, the real question is, can ever. Jack Sparrow get away from Hook? Because he can't beat him. <laughs> I don't think so. I think Hook's too vicious. I think his fight over Rufio really sets us apart. Jack Sparrow really has the... Uh has the same power set as Domino from the Deadpool comics. Like, he's just... He's lucky as shit. Yeah, insanely lucky. Like, his whole thing is that, like, he he falls to grab a quarter and then someone else gets shot in the face with a yeah, cannon. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's his power well, set. I'm well, just gonna keep moving. I mean, he's also super manipulative, though. Like, he understands the stakes oh, yeah, when he gets sure. it. Like, when he pushes Will out into the water <laughs> to go sit on the Dutchman to serve his time for him, like, he's super manipulative. But I don't know if yeah. that will help him on this fight. I've got another scenario oh, okay. that I thought of right when we started this podcast. Star-Lord and the Guardians of the Galaxy are trans are transporting someone. They've been paid to transport a person from one planet to the other when they get hailed by the Starship Enterprise because they've been found that the person that they're, start, that they're transporting is uh, uh, someone that the Federation, 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 Federation fucking Con. <laughs> Con's coming for him again. So, so what's the scenario? So what's the scenario? They're trying to get away. So yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Guardians of the Galaxy are trying to either get away or or disable the Starship Enterprise, and the Enterprise uh, is trying to get on the ship to secure the. So uh, is it a kill? Is it a kill order from the Starship Enterprise, or is it like they have to get on the ship and rescue? Uh, I they can beam aboard. They can beam right, aboard. Right. I, I I didn't think that far ahead, but uh, I, I guess we could do both scenarios. The problem with that is. The universes that those two exist in are so different. Like, the physics aren't the same. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy exists in, like, a Star Wars-type ship universe where they're, like, flying about like an airplane. Whereas the Starship Enterprise exists in, like, an actual physical universe where they're more like ships in the sea, just sort of floating in a direction. Hope You know, they don't, like, turn on a dime and shit in those movies. Also, the Starship Enterprise is fucking massive like it's the size of a city that's flying you know what i mean like it's so big compared to the guardians of the galaxy ship i feel like one laser blast that hits and peter quill is fucking evaporated so, yeah. so let's remove but, let's remove warp capabilities and assume that they're they're fighting on the same plane it but it's not chase. about the warp it's about the way that they can maneuver right like their maneuverability is different because Enterprise is like one thing where it's like you sh- you push in a direction and then you're just sort of floating in that direction until you use your reverse right, thrusters right. to it's stop, a big old, right? It's a big old water ship. Whereas, yeah. yeah, whereas the Guardians of the Galaxy ships are just kind of flying about in three-dimensional space without, like, there's no actual physics weighing so, against them. So. so let's assume the scenario then is the Starship Enterprise is trying to beam their people aboard. <laughs> I don't think they have the fighting capability to fight the Guardians, to be honest with you. I just don't think. Really? I don't know, dude. They have some pretty big fucking guns. They just don't, their guns aren't. And Spock has not... got superhuman strength. We've yeah, seen Spock, him take Spock Kirk versus out Drax. Nicely. Spock versus Drax would be interesting. Oh, I'm thinking it's some Klingon. It's like Worf versus Drax. You know what I mean? They're from like uh, Next Generation. Oh. I guess that's not the Enterprise, is it? Is no. it the Enterprise? Uh, no. And Spock can fight, too. So, in like, so it'd really just be. Kirk versus Quill, which is basically Kirk in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> so that'd be that'd be a fun one. But I think Quill has shown some pretty good fighting prowess where, versus Kirk just being kind of a savvy human fighter. You know, Quill can really, really rip in a fight. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
I, I just don't know if there's enough firepower on the crew of the Enterprise. I mean, what are their guns? They just have little laser guns. They're like, pew, 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 pew. Like, they're badass, uh, but, like, yeah, if what, you're, are, what other the weapons are you talking about? Yeah, if you're talking about just, like, individual weapons. I'm talking about the... I thought you were talking about the ship cannons. I guess we like do... No, I'm talking about they warp aboard. They, 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 like, beam aboard, and they're, like, trying to take the prisoner. Now, mm-hmm. we do see in the first movie, Kirk has, a, like, a laser sword. Yeah. There's, like, a whole fight with him and, um, and the dude from White Castle, or from Kumar, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. <laughs> John I really watched that movie. That's a damn good movie. Uh, yeah, it is good. I should but, just watch all three of those. It's yeah, so good. but actually, dude, the, Star Trek Beyond. And... Real yeah, quick, Star Trek Beyond is like I just said. Star Trek. Star Trek Beyond is like. Wait, is that what the third one was called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit is underrated. That was it's a good. great movie. Those it's are really, really liked it. I'm glad they didn't um, like uh, do a bunch of grandstanding. They're, they're just like, let's just make a third movie. Let's make it short and simple and sweet and keep it going. Yeah, just like it was a good installment. It had really good physics in it. I liked how they brought the Beastie Boys back in and then like surfing on the the the, the ships and the high it was fun, sick. Yeah. I was like, this is tight. I'm yeah. fucking here for this. Yeah, that was, I got to rewatch that man. That's good. Yeah, um, I really like that movie. But yeah, so I, I would I would say if it's a ship to ship thing, I, I got to assume Starship. I'm picturing, I'm picturing Guardians of the Galaxy one with a rocket standing on top of the the ship with whatever that fucking gun is, where he's shooting down the Ravagers ship after Quill's been captured, and he's telling him to give over Quill or he's gonna blow up the whole fucking ship. Yeah, I, I picture yeah. something along those lines where <laughs> where Rocket's got something crazy. I mean, I, like in a hand to hand. That's the think- thing. If you once you look at it, like the team on the Guardians of the Galaxy is like. They're fucking insane. They're pretty well-rounded, <laughs> and they're freaking crazy. Well, like, yeah, and you got Zoe Zaldana, who is just, like, flying about with her yeah, sword. She's, and she's just beastly, like, dude. And, I guess, yeah. I guess Zaldana is just like... Ah! In Guardians think... 2, she picks up a turret off of a ship and is just, like, holding it and firing. You know what I mean? Like, she's... Like, I feel like she could take on that as <laughs> by herself. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's pretty brutal. Um... Yeah, I don't well, know. I, mean, I got to give it to the talking, Guardians. Are we talking baby Groot? Or are we talking full full size Groot? Because <laughs> he's Groot. Beastly, He's really underrated. Baby Groot <laughs> fucks some shit up, dude. Yeah. I just don't think I don't think the Starfleet crew could go on that ship without dude Groot by himself would wreck the shit out of those guys. Yeah. I also so, feel like um, the Star Trek team—they're not really like soldiers. I feel like I no, don't, they're not. They're like they're just like emissaries who have like basic like fighting skills and weapon skills yeah you know so i, I mean? think unless they could like i don't know some cow incapacitate the ship and it's more of a kill order than it is like a capture alive type of thing i think i think uh starfleet could probably blast their ship out of the sky but at the same time otherwise i don't think any kind of physical altercation would end very well for the starship starfleet guys right. from star trek uh, yeah so if it's a ship battle i don't think i don't see how the Guardians ship could take down the Enterprise just because the Enterprise is just so big. You know what I mean? Like, they would have to be packing some serious damage and they have shield capabilities that the Guardians do not have. You know what I mean? Like, it's ship battle Enterprise, I think, wins or at least is able to outlast the Guardians. But if it's like a crew, like you, it's like full on, like anything goes, then I think Guardians wins because I think they come aboard or find their way in or Rocket just builds a fucking nuke somehow and shoves it up their ass so i don't know i wanted to jump in with one real quick if you guys are cool with it 
The Punisher versus John Wick. That was one of the first ones I saw on Reddit uh, yesterday and was so, like, damn, yeah. that's basically The Punisher versus The Punisher. Like, Someone's going to have to walk me through Punisher's you know, abilities other than being an angry dude with a gun. So imagine John Wick. And but not boom, you got him but, but, <laughs> but bigger, John Bernthal. bigger <laughs> and angrier and more willing to die yeah and, and yeah. maybe a, a higher pain tolerance threshold <laughs> no way john wick takes so many beatings in that go watch go watch the punisher season two finale and <laughs> tell me that's my thing yeah so jeff jeff just gut instinct without any explanation who would you choose punisher yeah, Frank Castle wins. Like I, opinion, I love the, the. You guys are the, going against Wick. I think Baba it's Yaga. the same character. How dare you? So, to, so that's also very weird. Why did they keep, Why do they call him Baba Yaga? Baba Yaga it's, it's is a boogeyman. Is, Baba Yaga is a witch in a it's, chicken leg hut that travels in, around in the, the Russian the, countryside. <laughs> in in the movie, they say it means boogeyman in Russian. Uh, it's not the boogeyman though it's a witch <laughs> it's very weird baba yaga like if you look into like russian folklore which i have a lot um baba yaga yeah, is like weird. a witch that travels about the what yeah if you if you've seen the hellboy the the, the newest hellboy film he's, he fucks up the baba yaga at some point yeah right, baba here yaga. we go uh does baba yaga mean boogeyman in russian folklore baba yaga was a witch that ate naughty little children so she was the equivalent of the boogeyman being the boogeyman, she was everything you feared incarnate. John Wick was so scary that people who knew of him, he was the worst thing that could have ever happened to them. I feel like they could have come up with a better Russian name for him that isn't a witch. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I guess it's I mean, if you could, if you the way that they used Bobby Yaga as the boogeyman, I guess that makes sense. It sounds like the writers of John Wick were being really lazy and they're like, okay, so we got some Russian bad guys. What is Russian for boogeyman? And they just Googled it and then they're like, all right, Baba Yaga, put it in. But yeah. So the re- okay. I, I will say this about Wick. He seems like the, the, you know, those games where like, there's like the arcade mode where you get put into the arena and it's just wave after wave of bad guys. And you see how long you like, how many rounds you can get through before you go down. I mean, it's kind of like zombies, right? He seems like the ultimate character for that style of survival, which is just like his body is slowly deteriorating over over time, but he's going to put up a really high score because no matter how much damage he takes, he's going to find a way to get more kills off. You know what I'm saying? And like, he's not forever. And through the movies, we see him take on more and more injuries and suddenly you'll just see him like limping down the street, but then you'll just right in the middle of a fight just start pancaking so me, some more guys. And then suddenly think, he's got a bleeding face. And like, I think one of the deciding factors here is John Wick only ever uses a automatic weapon, a pistol or melee weapons. He has a sword at one point. Okay. On, on that's a melee. melee. That, that's a melee weapon. But uh, Punisher has a motherfucking arsenal, dude. The guy uses grenade launchers like it's candy. Like, the, the dude is an explosive... Walk me through that metaphor, <laughs> that simile. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> he uses them at will. He just uses them at will. <laughs> and, like, without any care for the consequences. He's just absolute mayhem wherever he is. And, and I haven't seen John Wick use the same arsenal. I think he throws, like, one grenade in the first film. I, I, like, it's all we really get out of him. Whereas I, th- I think while they're both extremely qualified and it became down to a hand-to-hand fight, which it ha- would have to, and according to cinema law, um, I, I think that it would be closer. But I think that if it's, like, they're both prepared and they show up, I think that Punisher shows up with a bigger bang. Yeah, I just don't see the Punisher losing. I just said, that's the thing, like, 
I don't even really like the Punisher. He's probably one of my least favorite comic book characters. But when you when you look at what the Punisher does, like this dude just puts people in body bags. Like that's just his thing. You know what I mean? Like John Wick is like precision, blah blah blah. But John, the Punisher is like, mm, <laughs> like he's going to kill you. Like he's not. He's like a force of nature almost. You know what I mean? Like I just I don't know. John Wick is just like too like stylized i just feel like the punisher is just actually like a killing machine it's brutality you know and and besides the yeah. john wick too don't they kind of like illegitimize a lot of the things that john wick did because it turns out that he had help for a lot of the incredible feats that he was there's, there's no illegitimizing that the guy goes through like entire mobs to, like not happen yeah, but... yeah that he was given a task to go through and and take out the enemy competition he did it all in one night or something and then you find out at the beginning of the second film that it was because he contacted someone and swore a blood oath that if they helped him do it, that whenever he got back in the game, that he would help them do whatever. You can't discount it. We watch him on screen wipe out like 30 guys in a warehouse. Like, Dude, when they come into the hotel and they're wearing literally bulletproof armor from the top of the head to the bottom of their feet, and he's still finding ways to fucking yeah, kill people. He just plants a bullet in your noggin from... Five inches, and then he goes on like that. That wait, he's like, people is he just like loads them up with fucking bullets in the head to disorient yeah. them, and then just sticks <laughs> the gun up under their their helmet and shoots yeah. him in the bottom of the Dude, fucking face. The way he kills, where he just puts the the gun, the barrel up to your head, and then pulls the trigger, and it just brain splatter, and then he just goes up to the next guy. So there's just no missing. Like it's a super efficient way to murder people, and it's horrible to watch. It's horribly <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say it's pretty fucking horrific. It's, hor- it's horrific. <laughs> horrific. <laughs> All right, so I, I, I'm gonna say if yeah, we I'm ever probably, do, I'm definitely the least informed here, but I would say Wick. So I'm saying Punisher, but um, real quick, if we ever do get popular enough to like come out with merch, we're definitely spelling out horrific the way that Jeff pronounces it. Yeah. We're gonna find a way to do that. It's just going on a T-shirt. That's just it was, that. It was horrific. <laughs> horrific. All right, I got it. I got it. Coming in hot here. Go ahead. Okay, so this one I'm going to do something straight up because I got a couple more abstract ones, um, but we'll do a straight up one for this one. Uh, alternate Marvel timeline. Ultron prevails over the Avengers at Sokovia. He now has the Mind Stone, Time Stone, and access to all the vibranium in the world. Can he beat Thanos? That's, that's pretty abstract thought. I don't, I don't know. That's a good. That would be a really good what if comic to see so, like a good comic book writer I'm, I'm tackle not seeing, because I'm not seeing how he gets. I'm sorry, this is probably not the best choice for me because I have to understand the train of thought here. He gets the Mind Stone because he has that in Vision. Vision is somehow under his control. Sure, how that gets him the Time Stone, which is controlled by the Sorcerers. It's like it's not like Vision once he had the t- Mind Stone in his head. He fully comprehended what it was. He had no idea what the Mind Stone was until it was explained to him. So it's not like just because he has the Mind Stone as a control, Ultron suddenly knows. He can't do a deep dive on the web to say, so, oh, I know everything so about the, infin- the Infinity Stone. It's now. not the Time Stone. It's the, the, mind, the stone mind Stone and the Space Stone are the two that he, he has. No, he has the Time Stone. The Time Stone. No, time in, is it's, Doctor it's, Strange has it. Exactly. So how would he, he get that? He Doctor Strange. How does he so, know about the other stones? So, I, okay. So so let's stop for a sec here. So we're, the, the assumptions we're making here is that one, he beats all of the guys on Earth. Because if he beats the Avengers in number two, Doctor Strange is going to eventually have to engage with him because he's taking over the world, right? So we're assuming here that Doctor Strange, uh, you know, fights him on his own and loses. 
you know, with the time stone, it becomes an Ultron's possession. And then let me ask you, how much time passes between Avengers 2 and Infinity War? It's a couple of years, maybe? Yeah, quite okay. a bit. Right. So some time passes. So we're assuming that Ultron has time to experiment with those stones or to, to get a better sure. understanding of what how to use them. Right. So a couple of things that needed to get fleshed out there. But I, I think it's reasonable to assume that, one, he would get his hands on not only the stone, but he would also manage to locate like Wakanda and take their vibranium. And two, that he would have some time to prepare, right? Build some more Ultrons with all that vibranium. The other thing that I was going to point out is taking Wakanda also means that he has access to their nanotech, which is like a self-healing power for him, right? Well, he doesn't need so, self-healing. He's a he's a sentient uh simulator right, of, right. you of destroy him and identity. another robot steps in his place right. but it does make those robots harder to kill sure so this is a pretty significant Ultron going up against Thanos Thanos would be coming coming in with his legions he'd be coming in with his uh, you know whatever four horses of the apocalypse guys you know big dude dude with the telekinetic powers the, uh, black, the black order black order yeah and he has the Correct me if I'm wrong here. We're assuming that he, because he's arriving on Earth, he has the Soul Stone, the Power Stone. What's the other one? Well, the Soul Stone is the final reality one he gets, isn't it? You're talking about the reality and the Reality Stone. stone. No, the Mind so, Stone is the last one he gets. I'm going to assume the Soul Stone isn't really helpful against a robot. I don't know really what its powers are, but I don't think anybody does. Um, so the Soul Stone probably don't do a whole lot. But the power yeah, it, stone it, it probably don't do a lot. The power stone helps him. And you know, and the reality stone I'm guessing would be a pretty effective one as well. Yeah, man, I don't I don't I don't know. I don't this is like is a really interesting I'm like playing it through in my head. I just I don't I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, so has Ultron wiped out all of humanity and has just replaced everything with just the Earth is just swarming with robots because I don't see how Thanos arrives on Earth and there's all the Ultrons, all the Ultron bots. Also, is Ultron in the Vision's body because that was his idea in event in Age of Ultron the movie was to replace his mind. Like he's going to upload his consciousness into Vision. So, I and think in so scenario, he was going to be successful in doing that. Then, so he is Vision. He it's Ultron in Vision's body. Well, that's a very powerful character. He has the phasing ability. He has the laser. Like he's basically Robot Superman. Yeah, you know that I mean? that, like, that phasing ability was real effective in Infinity Wars. And uh... I was going to say, uh, Vision got pancaked by Thanos. Yeah. Man, fucking... <laughs> that's because you put fucking Jarvis in there, not fucking a diabolical robot. Kevin Spader destroying. Thanos literally grabs him by the throat, pins him down, and crushes his head. Like, yeah, but he's already been damaged by uh, the yeah. guy with the scythe. Yeah, he has been already damaged by the guy with okay, the scythe. We're going to assume that's not happening unless he somehow falls in love with Wanda Maximoff. Um, which, hey, who knows? Right. But I mean, same Elizabeth time, Olsen I, is very think, beautiful. <laughs> let me ask you something. Was Ultron's plan to get rid of all of humanity? Or his, was plan was to, yeah, his plan was to drop a meteorite and destroy the entire planet. Because he, it's the, it's that, it's that age-old thing about humanity can't be trusted. Right. right. Whatever. We're, we're the most destructive force. Blah blah blah. We're the only way to protect the earth, to save the earth, is to kill the humans. So was Ultron trying to destroy himself? No. No, he can't be destroyed. Well, in his mind, right? He's so his plan was to just destroy the planet and then float out into space. Like I'm not really 
he was going to rebuild society with a billion Ultrons and then go conquer the universe, I guess. This conversation has just brought up how much Age of Ultron was a wasted opportunity. Those trailers made it look like it was going to be so dark and scary and weird, and then instead they made it, like, lame. Well, you look at this, (laughs) like, you look at what they were, you look at what they were willing to do for Infinity Wars with a five-year time gap and, like, the desolated Earth, like, they could have done two, they could have done Age of Ultron in two parts and had this God, it would have been incredible. Uh. If you read the Age of Ultron comic book by Brian Michael Bendis, it's it like literally like Ultron wins and takes over the world, and right. the Avengers have to like in the future have to have to defeat him after he's in. Like that's what the age is: is that he literally takes over the world for an age, and the Avengers go into the future. Is that right? Wolverine like <laughs> goes into the future. I don't remember. I haven't read it in a long time, but I might be mixing Days of Future Past with Age of Ultron now. But um, yeah, it's like a whole other thing. It was not that it was like the best comic ever, but I think they could have done something a little bit more interesting with it, and they didn't. Then, they, then they wasted that character. And Ultron is like a weird, scary character. The weekend so. of Ultron. Yeah, exactly. Two weekend days of Ultron. At, weekend at Ultron's. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right, so Tyler, just get get feeling like who you feel like. What side were you? I don't know, dude. There's an argument to be made with on either of those sides. It's I, I guess I gotta go with Ultron on this one because I just feel like a robot intent on killing it is it's going to be more strategically powerful than uh than thanos is by himself you know what i mean like thanos has a lot of loyalty and like people are willing to kill and die for him or whatever but i just feel like ultron is a hive mind he knows everything that's happening everywhere he's at right so i also think that he's got an advantage of numbers i mean he's fighting with literally i'm assuming at this point thousands of vibranium robots millions it kind of of gets rid of of thanos's army right they can't really do a whole lot against vibranium bots right i don't think so especially if if he can just like be hovering above the battlefield just like like the homelander in that one episode where he's just like ripping through people like if he's using vision's laser ability and he's just ripping through hordes and hordes and hordes that's how do you how do you think the one thing we're discounting here is thanos himself i mean he literally through those movies goes through everybody yeah but no one uses the stone against the hulk you what no one uses the stone against him except for dr strange trying to use the time stone Uh, yeah other than that you just i guess dr strange doesn't even use the time stone against them right like we don't actually see anyone hit thanos with an infinity stone until iron man does it yeah i don't know i mean cap fucking holds his own against Thanos for a while and all he has is a hammer. The whole team. It shows it shows the whole team of dudes, the whole team of women, nobody stops him. He just blows right through everybody. Sure, yeah. Thanos is an unstoppable force, but so is Ultron, right? Like Ultron is especially if you you're upgrading him, right? Like imagine Ultron, but now he's upgraded. Like, I don't know, man. I just I think it's I I, I gotta put it on Ultron. I think I, the question I have is can vision at full health go toe-to-toe with Thanos because we don't get to see that but it's not just vision it's vision also in control of a million robots vibranium robots you know what yeah. I mean all right Jeff what's your gut instinct on this one uh you know originally I was leaning towards Thanos kind of taking the same strategy of of sending in the Black Order and targeting the specific versions of Ultron that had the Infinity Stones and collecting them one by one but the fact that it's one massive simulacrum of sentience spread across uh, hundreds of thousands of robots, I, I think the coordinated efforts of Ultron would probably probably win. 
Yeah, I think I think it's Ultra. If you upgrade him to that level, I just I have a hard time imagining him being beaten. the fact that the Mind Stone gives Vision a warning that the Black Order is coming means that Ultron would have some kind of advanced notice. Sure. Sure. I guess I guess for me, I'm just picturing the strategy for Thanos being target the stones because yeah, if you destroy one Ultron, another Ultron takes his place. However, the stones don't just magically transport to the next Ultron. They're, sure. they're in a physical, you know, right. like a little capsule or whatever. So, you know, for Thanos, the strategy would literally be to blow right past all of the Ultrons, which I think Thanos is more than capable of doing. And it would literally just come down to can, you know, vision form Ultron, you know, with the Time Stone and Mind Stone defeat Thanos with the Power Stone and the Reality Stone. Because Thanos, to me, man, like, I'm done picking against that dude. Because he just is just, like, he, like every time I think about him in, in the, the movies, it's literally like five of the Avengers at once trying to bring him down. And he's just not having it. Like, it is just not happening. Let's, let's picture the fight on Titan. He's got the Reality Stone and the Power Stone, right? So this is the Thanos we're describing here. And he's fighting against Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Peter Quill. Doctor Strange has the Time Stone too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but he's not using it. No, he keeps it hidden until he's he's trying to protect it. Right. Uh, And Thanos is just like not really even having that hard of a time against these guys, right? And so now we're talking about him blowing through a bunch of, you know, vibranium Ultrons that we see the Avengers having a pretty easy time with in Sokovia, and then he comes up against Vision with the Time Stone and the Mind Stone. It, you know, full health Ultron vision combo with Time Stone and Mind Stone. And the question really is, can Thanos get those stones off of him? Right? Like, I'm, I'm going to disregard the army because he's got an army that'll keep him, distri- you know, fighting while he's barreling in to go after vision. And I've just seen too much of Thanos just smashing through, you know, pretty lopsided odds to, to pick the Ultron side. Although I do see an argument for either way. Yeah, it's... It gets difficult. It's it's this is it's an interesting. It's almost like too. It's almost like too difficult to make, decide a winner. Like you just have to watch it because you don't like. I don't know. I would give Ultron the odds, in his favor, but I don't know that I would say. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Does this it's hard make, to bet against? Does that make Thanos the protagonist of that battle? Who do we who do we want to win? Uh, I, I mean, I wanted Thanos to beat the Avengers. So. <laughs> I think he made a lot of really good arguments. That's all I'm saying. I was at uh, uh, I was skiing the other weekend, and there were so many people. I was like, you know what? Half these people, I, I don't know if I'd give. <laughs> I, I know a way to cut down on the lines. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, okay. So we'll call that one a toss up. I think that means that I win this game because I came up with the big stumper question. But oh, uh, you came up with anyone... that, huh? Uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. I found the, the best number question. All right, does anyone have any others? Does anyone have, have a last one that they want to jump into? I've got I've got three more I can do. I, I have one. I'm curious if you guys want to do it. I'm okay if you guys don't. But I was thinking it, either it's Indiana Jones versus Nathan Drake or Laura Croft, in case Tyler hasn't. I'm assuming Brian wants to, would want to defend Indiana Jones. I'm, I don't know if Tyler's played the Uncharted franchise. I played every game ever. It was it was it was Indiana Jones versus Nathan Drake. Yeah, have you it's played the Uncharted? Drake. 
I, I've played a couple of... I, I've played... I've played the game. I've played the arcade mode with Jeff a bunch. Um, and I've played some of the storyline. I think he's too good of a fighter for Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones... What if he throws some really powerful punches. Like so what if it's so what if it's there's a group of enemies that are holding a you know relic and they're both trying to get to it first? Whoops! Sorry, I just had to do that. It's that fucking crack sound that sounds like a whip cracking that whenever Indiana Jones punches someone in the face, it's like every bone in their face breaking at once. <laughs> yeah, he hits really fucking hard. <laughs> but he's he's good with the whip too. So Indiana Jones has like a fucking cement fist. It's insane. (laughs) He just one punches everybody. That being said, Um, Nathan Drake's dropping haymakers from like 20 feet in the video game. Yeah, I actually was literally the other day thinking about buying some of those games and just plugging through them and seeing what all the hype is about. They're pretty great. Um, there it's it's very on rails i mean it's, I, I struggle with that kind of shit it's brian and i've discussed the game before it's like playing a movie it's like it, like I, you're pretty sure when you play the game they wanted to make an indiana jones game but they couldn't get the licensing but well um, bethesda's doing one i don't know if you guys heard about that but bethesda's doing a indiana jones game it's fully announced that's well, gonna happen so for microsoft oh, i'm fun. super down super down for that um, well it's probably only gonna be on xbox yeah yeah i think the, i think the clear answer here is nathan drake Unless anyone has any arguments, that's fine. I was just it just came to me the other day, and I was curious about what you guys would think. But all right, all right Brian, I got I, I got another fun one that Tyler might enjoy. The Jedi Order hires Sherlock Holmes to solve the mystery of Darth Sidious. Can he do it before Order sixty six happens? Scenario: Sherlock has the four years of the Clone Wars to deduce who Darth Sidious is. He can hire additional help in the form of bounty hunters if he needs to. This investigation is considered an internal matter for the Jedi, so the Senate is not aware. Sherlock has given the following clues as a starting point. 1. Darsidious is Count Dooku's master. Count Dooku is involved with the clone army somehow. And 3. Darth Maul was Count Dooku's previous apprentice. Uh, well, wait, what? Darth Maul was Dooku's previous apprentice? Sorry, Sidious's apprentice? Yes, yeah. so. Yes. Sorry. I, I, maybe I mixed them up in my head. Uh, the short answer is yes, but we'd have to wait until the end of the story to find out how we figured it out. <laughs> Just how all... <laughs> you explain it all over a game yeah. of chess. Which is exactly how all of those books end. It's just like, how did he do it? And he's just I'm like, well, it's simple. Yeah. Uh, Elementary. Remember when I was sniffing the wall earlier? Well, I smelled... Uh, that Palpatine had been here. So keep in mind that Sidious, Sidious has this dark cloud over... But Sherlock, that was three years ago. Why the fuck didn't you tell us? Um, <laughs> well, I had to wait until he played his card so that I could play my card. Then I shot him in the back with a blaster. So you think he would have figured it out? Yeah. Because uh, really what he'd have to do is, is it seems like Obi-Wan, he'd kind of have to fill Obi-Wan's shoes. Because Obi-Wan has a couple of like detective style storylines where he's like going to Kamino to check out the clone army and they get some clues there. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and he's doing a little bit of spy, you know, detective work um, with the clone army before he gets in that fight with Grievous. Right, so we'd have to assume that Sherlock gets into Obi Wan's storyline a little bit, right? Right. Um, right. So a lot of Sherlock's, you know, evidence is is based off of circumstantial evidence. So he would have to have time alone with Palpatine to be able to pick up circumstantial evidence, like oh, this scent or this debris or this whatever. 
whether or not he would get that time alone to be able to narrow this. He would obviously try and find that time, but the problem is, would Palpatine be smart enough to sniff out what was going on? If if the Jedi hired Sherlock, don't you think that they would say, "Yo, this, that Chancellor's being a little weird with Anakin. Like he's getting a little bit of too much interest in it, right?" Because they were uneasy about it openly about Anakin spending so much time around does, him. And does Sherlock know about the prophecy? He knows whatever the Jedi are going to be willing to tell him because they so, hired him, right? Right, but like they don't tell Anakin about the prophecy for a long time. So like if they well, if they, yeah, they openly they, they volunteer to keep an eye on one. what they tell him, he's the chosen one. Uh, when I like in the in the third episode, or is it? I don't remember when they tell about the prophecy, but it's. I don't know. Uh, Obi-Wan at least shouts it at him <laughs> as he's burning to death. <laughs> this might be a little late, but you were the chosen one. <laughs> you were the chosen one. Like, Why did you tell me that? I probably would have trusted you guys. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> so, so, I mean, really, once he gets a whiff of the Chancellor's interest in Anakin, I think that immediately elevates him as a suspect, right? Right, but whether it's whether or not uh, Sherlock can come to a concrete conclusion before Palpatine can have Sherlock assassinated. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, He's got four have... years. Most of his crimes, their crime solving happens in like the span of like a month. Why does Palpatine uh, want Padme dead? In the books, it it's like this. Like most of the cases take a series of time. Like the most famous book, The Hand of the Baskervilles, is like a six month story. Sherlock only shows up at like the end of the book. Most of the book is Watson like fucking tr- trudging about through this weird area of the Moors in Baskerville Hall and shit. And then all of a sudden Sherlock shows up dirty and he's been like, I've been in the woods for like three months, but I think I figured it out. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? And then at the end, he's like, okay, so I was in the woods and I saw this guy doing this shady shit. And so I knew it was him. And it's like, what the fuck? This is a, why is this the most famous Sherlock Holmes book? Don't get me wrong. I love Sherlock Holmes, but he's probably one of my favorite fictional characters. But I was reading, those books are really silly sometimes. I was reading that Arthur Conan Doyle hated the Sherlock Holmes books that he, that he thought yeah. that they were like the equivalent of like pop culture, easy consumerism and wanted yeah, to be remembered he, for his like philosophy and religious beliefs and not for he, his detective work. was, yeah, no. Conan Doyle tried to kill Sherlock Holmes and got like death threats from the people of England for doing it. And so he had to bring him back. <laughs> people were like, you motherfucker, this is the only thing I have. I have nothing. Just give me Sherlock, please. Um, uh, yeah. And then he got into really weird occult mysticism. He was like obsessed with magic and fairies and his one of his best friends was uh uh houdini who was like really dude magic isn't I, real and he's like i know you're lying i've seen you do magic and he's like it's all a trick i'll show you how i do it he's like i'll never believe you houdini <laughs> there's all kinds of letters between the two of them where houdini's like yo dog you need to chill just a little bit like just pull back pull back you're going a little too far houdini was interesting i liked i liked his story where he gets obsessed with the cult and then people started hiring him to come out and check out their specific occult you know uh predictionary shop or whatever and he would go in and be like yep there's a crystal ball on the string yep there's smoke under the table yeah this place is fucking bullshit he would leave and they'd be like hey fuck yeah. you <laughs> like yeah. they would try and fool him and he would just embarrass people and that was his career for like towards the end of his life i don't know yeah that's exactly what it was um he's very 
a very interesting character. Anyway, um, I think that, yes, the answer is yes, because there's not a single story where Sherlock doesn't solve the case that I'm aware of. Now, I haven't read all of them, right? But I've read most of, if not all of, Conan Doyle's versions. I think I've read all of it. Um, and, like, you know, he always solves it because he's able to piece things together, right? Like, he can just he can figure things out. So I think the answer is yes. Sherlock okay. Holmes. Right. Does anyone have any others? I can keep going here. I know we are starting to come up on time, but why don't we do one more and then, uh, jump into the last bit. Recommendations. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm. Then I'm going to go with one. That's so the two that I have, the first one is the might of Mordor goes up against the might of Rome at its peak. Um, the other one I have is the defenders of Helm's, Helm's Deep have magically vanished just before the battle with only Legolas still there looking around in confusion. In their place stands John Wick, Hawkeye, Black Widow, and Jason Bourne. Can they survive until dawn? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> like, those people are all very good, but wait, Hawkeye? Was Hawkeye? Hawkeye? <laughs> yeah. <I saw> Hawkeye. <laughs> For some reason. And check it out. So we're, we're going to do that one because that one's fun. No, okay, it's not so, fun. That's dumb. That's the shortest, that's the no, shortest battle ever. No, it's not. Check this out. You got to hear the scenario. So Legolas. Wait, John real quick, Wick. real quick. Before you jump into this, I just want to say uh, the forces of Mordor beat Rome because dragons. What the fuck does Rome have to do to defend against dragons? Drakes? Yeah, the drakes. It's only, there's only nine of them, though. Trolls. Like, dude, Rome is. Trolls. Trolls. Brian, which trolls? Rome, I think you're severely underestimating the power. Tell me, tell me which. I think you're female... severely underestimating the power of trolls and dr flying drakes. Brian, tell me which female of Rome is going to take down the Witch King of Angmar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't got the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah, and which Caesar are we looking at? Which That's leader in Rome? I heard, by the way, <laughs> okay, Rome gets one Hobbit and one one uh, one Eowyn. <laughs> 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 anyway, no, Mordor wins. Go, go into your other dumbass one. <laughs> this is besides, what you wanted for the last one. <laughs> besides, you specifically need two hobbits because Frodo did succumb to the corruption of the ring by the end and Sam had to th almost throw him into the fire. Yeah, Sam has to pick him up and throw him into the fire. <laughs> <laughs> so you need two hobbits. <laughs> now you're asking for too much. All right, Rome plus two hobbits. <laughs> yeah. okay, so, all right, so let's go to the other one. So the scenario is we got Legolas, John Wick, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Jason Bourne. Legolas has his full quiver of arrows and his yep. little like elven sword. Hawkeye has his full quiver from the final fight of the first Avengers movie. Yep. So there's some explosive arrows and shit in there that are pretty oh, cool. Oh yeah, you've got 60 arrows now. Keep going. <laughs> With some area damage effects. Shut the hell sure. up. All right? <laughs> Black, Black Widow has her two, two guns. <laughs> her electroshock yeah, I'm assuming, bracelets. I'm assuming she's got some knives tucked in somewhere on that latex suit. Um, yeah. Jason Bourne has a gun and a knife because you see him in a knife fight. I'm not giving them anything that they don't already have in their movies. Yeah. And then John Wick has an assault rifle, uh, handgun, and the katana that he uses on the horse. I'm, I'm counting like 200 dead <laughs> dead orcs, and that's dude. about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, dude. I don't know what you think. What is so, what is what does Eric say when he gets back to Helm's Deep? He's like, there's a there's a horde coming, and ten thousand strong at least. You think those six people can take on ten thousand? 
I don't think that they don't have to win the battle. They just have to survive until dawn. Did I not say that? Till, that no, up. but till dawn. Till so dawn. <laughs> so you're telling me they just run away? Or what so time does this fight start? They can't leave Helm's Deep. <laughs> But they can do everything from going into those tunnels. They can go sure. into that, the, like the, the throne room where they do that last ride, you know, like yeah, when they're like so, barring that door. So so what you're saying happens at dawn is Gandalf shows up with the Riders of Rohan. Correct. And the battle's over. And All that, that's when the told. battle's over? Because by this time, the orcs have already taken over the walls and murdered everyone inside, dude. Like lasting till dawn. Well, what, it's not well, like Gandalf so, shows up and snaps his fingers and the army disappears, right? Those orcs still have about an hour before the cavalry does anything to stop the orcs that are at the front lines from murdering and raping all of the people. The, the, the assumption I'm making here is if they make it till dawn and the riders of Rohan show up with Gandalf, that they sweep through and kill everything and they're good to go. Yeah, sure, Just, they'd have to live an extra half hour while Gandalf clears people out. But at that point, I'm assuming that we're not going to bicker over the last 30 minutes of whether that's the expiration date on these guys. So... Does Haldir still show up with all the Lothlorien fighters? No, no. Oh, uh, fuck. Uh, then no. Nope. They don't make it to dawn. No the answer is no, they don't make it. I'm sorry, Brian. But no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the argument think... is that at the end of the day, they have some weapons that can mow down groups of the orcs. Right? Sure. They have an assault some rifle. Groups. They have explosive arrows that can wipe out. I don't think the wall gets blown up if Hawkeye is shooting at and not Legolas. Like, let's assume Hawkeye also jumps up and, and is taking a shot at that dude running at the wall with the explosive. Sure. And he hits him with an explosive arrow. So, but I, I'd assume there's more than one. If not, they still have the ability to climb the fucking walls. How are these, like, six people going to stop all of the ladders that this army brought? Yeah, that's, I don't... They, they're, I they're range. They're, they got range. I, I don't, they got guns. Like, guns is a really distinct advantage here. And I'm assuming they have... You yeah, know, but guns also have a finite a number bullets. of bullets. How many? How many bullets isn't it? Uh, okay, we're getting a little too nitpicky. I guess what? I'm what do you mean nitpicky? Being, you gave us some characters that have very specific limitations. I, we're I, not I nitpicking. Threw a, I threw out an additional scenario in case it was a stomp. I, I said you could have Laura Croft and James Bond as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. With that, so in just, that case, James Bond does get all of it, all of the gadgets, like all the best gadgets. <laughs> yeah, from, he's from got the, the banish. <laughs> yeah, he gets the banish. Launchers. He gets an invisible car that he can sit behind the ramparts and just drive it around in the open field. <laughs> <laughs> Ride out with me. <laughs> right out, <laughs> yeah. right out with me, and he's just driving a car down. <laughs> yeah, I'm just picturing him like on that causeway leading up to the main gate. Just like, also the gates open, and they're like, "There's nothing there," and they're like, "Charge!" And also the vanish just goes through it. Down. Yeah, you're talking about an Aston Martin DB9 or whatever DB whatever. So does that turn the tide enough for them to make it till dawn? No. <laughs> Maybe I don't. I mean, it gets it gets them closer when you give James Bond's gadgets. If he has every gadget, he's got a jetpack, he's got a flamethrower, he's got the car with the uh, ejector seat. And Laura I mean, Croft has the ability to swing around. <laughs> she's <laughs> like got she that one seat, and she's got the two guns. Yeah. And she's <laughs> yeah. swinging around with with uh, opera music playing. What movie? He's talking about, movie? You know, I'm talking about the one about, with Angela Jolie where she's in her her, her mansion when fighting the, when the people break into her house at the end of the first Tomb Raider and she's uh, swinging she's around the aerials, yeah, you know, subterfuge thing. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, 
No. I, I mean, even with, I mean, maybe they get closer, but. How do, I'm going to ask this very seriously. How do you explain them losing if they go into that throne room and just hold that one door? It's a very bottlenecked section. Who's, who's they have arrows. Okay, have so now you're creating rifle, a 300 scenario. Who's, what do you mean? Hold, in the movie, you literally see guys holding the door physically. Right? So who's bracing this door? You've got six people in your entire – eight people now in your entire army. Who's holding the door, Brian? Right. Well, so I'm guessing with – Oh, uh, they also have Hodor. Door. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they have Hodor. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. Hodor is the That's a secret. All right. Well, they have Hodor then. Now. Yeah. Easy. No. Well, they have Hodor. It, they're basically impervious. <laughs> so I'm assuming that James Bond would run out of ammunition. Jason Bourne would run out of ammunition. Laura Croft would run out of ammunition very quickly. So they're all holding the door. <laughs> all right. I don't know. I, I thought they would make it if they go to that thorn, throne room and then you got John Wick with his assault rifle mowing them. And, and but the, again, guy just laying down bullets. explosive fire. How much do they have like boxes of ammunition that they're running around like in a video game where they can just like run up to the box of ammunition and reload and then no, come back no, and no. join in? Nothing ridiculous like that. This which is totally which one of those perfect. characters do you see? Do you <laughs> see jumping on the ramparts and, and trying to kill the orcs like the Aragorn and Gimli? Yeah, is yeah. that is that Daniel Craig jumping over? You'll have to toss me. <laughs> Don't tell the elf. Yeah. Uh, um, all right. All right. I, I guess it's an Isengard stomp then. Unless there's somebody we can add that would only slightly turn the odds in the favor of the heroes and not make it ridiculous. Um, Captain America, and he comes with a helicopter that he gets to hold. <laughs> and swing. And just kind of. He's a swing in the helicopter. <laughs> He has to. He Is doesn't Captain get to America ride enough. in the helicopter or fly in it, but he does get to wield it as a melee weapon. Captain America's not enough, right? So I would assume no. that he would also. Get I mean, if he fight. can swing a helicopter about, you throw in with its you throw in Kratos, and I'll, I'll give you a chance. Yeah, that guy's too magic. Yeah, it's too magical. His Brian's is like all like melee or like you know range. Yeah, they're more practical. Okay, so I'm assuming that Captain America's there. He's still not enough, right? He's get the shield. He gets so the got, shield. Yeah, and he, gets and, he, and he gets the handgun from the first Avenger, right? No, the first gun. Avenger, he, no, in the first no Avenger, gun. he runs around with the gun. He gets one All right. gun. All right, fine. It's 12 bullets. Give him his 12 bullets. He gets the gun, but it's the pre serum. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. He can't, this shield is like anchoring him in place. He can't lift it. <laughs> no, he can't. Instead of a shield, he's got a garbage can lid. All right, so, so now we have Legolas, Hawkeye, Black Widow. Jason Bourne, Laura Croft, James Bond, Captain America, and Hodor holding the door. Uh, no, no, no. It's trade me, trade me out Cap and give me Batman. And then he's got the gadgets. He's got one of the gadgets. But he gets zero prep time. He's just in it. I mean, he gets the same prep time that they get for, no. like, it's like one day's prep time. He no, get, I literally like, just snap my fingers. Batman arrives. He's aware that he's in, about to be in a battle, but he didn't have any time to lay down explosive stuff or you know get a different suit on or whatever the hell he's gonna do to to find a way to win like he's got to just fight his way out does batman yeah. is batman i, I still choose batman over cap i think so is he enough to to get him out to get him to don what mm. how are you even thinking about this like he doesn't, how many he's how many dude, of them... all those dudes with their weapons and this guy what does he do to change anything other than his prep time argument 
Like, Batman isn't enough. Like The prep time isn't the only argument that you have for Batman. It's just, that's just the one that a lot of people lean on. But so it's make not, your argument for him, then. What I are, mean, what dude, okay, about? so in, in Batman Hush, Poison Ivy takes over Superman and, like, with her kiss and turns her into one of, or turns him into one of her guys and then sicks him on Batman. Batman hears him coming and is like, oh, shit, I have to, I have to fight him. And just pulls out a kryptonite ring that he carries with him. And like goes fist fights ba- Superman in first, the tunnels beneath Gotham yeah, City. Yeah, first or, he goes and hides him. in the sewers because they're lead lines. And he knows that Superman, Superman figures it out and comes and finds him. And because they're in close quarters, he's able to... Uh, fist and, fight Superman. <laughs> and I think the reason why Superman can't use his heat vision is because even though he wants to kill Batman, he doesn't want to destroy the entire city of Gotham so he can't ignite the sewer fumes or something like that. Um, I don't no, know. It's because, because Batman beats the shit out of him too quickly. <laughs> okay. I'm just so, saying Batman can perform out of if you, Batman, if you throw Batman on Helm's Deep, the only thing that changes is Batman's the one talking about the vulnerabilities in the Urukai's armor instead of Legolas. All right. Like that's that's well, Legolas the is still there. I'm just saying, like that's the only thing that changes. He can he can analyze the situation and be like, yeah, oh, he's, look, he's just their armor is weak and their knees and their ankles and whatever. Who gives a fuck? Batman's so dead. Batman, ten thousand orcs. Like yeah. Batman, Batman has been shown to kill aliens, right? Like he's killing aliens and taking them down. So he's got battle rings in both hands, and he's just fucking full Drax the Destroyer, stabbing people in the neck and shit. I'm I'm sorry, dude. I think Batman gives you a leg up. We're He's talking violent. broadswords, man. Fuck your batarangs. Fuck you. He's you think violent. every one of those guys is violent, though? Like but even Laura Croft is pretty violent. I don't understand that argument that his violence. You're gonna put Laura Croft over Batman. What no, is happening what, right now? <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is it's it's like a similar scenario where it's just one person without any ridiculous advantage that turns the tide over the numbers. If you have that issue with Jason Bourne, who's violent as shit. But Jason Bourne, what does he have? He has a handgun and a knife. What does Batman have that's helping him against the numbers? I'm not hearing the numbers. He's like, what Batman. Is he doing? he what has is he the doing? fact that he's fucking yeah. Batman. I, I like how Tyler has flipped the script here now that his favorite character is the drug Right, and I'm, I'm playing the other role because I'm like, hold on. If the numbers were too big of an issue for the other guys, what has Batman All right. got that changed All right, here, here's the new scenario. It's Batman, right? At Helm's Deep. And you got <laughs> Legolas... Hawkeye, Laura Croft, and whoever the fuck else you want on the other side trying to invade. Batman, can he hold out till dawn? Yes. If he has prep time. I mean, the prep time <laughs> argument is why I'm, that's why I'm removing no, it. No, there's no prep time. 24 hours prep time is so all I, he I, needs. I think the general consensus here is that Batman would not be enough to tip the scales if he doesn't get to prepare. You're right. He can't tip the scales. I think that once you are overloading with 10,000 people... Like nobody, like nobody, like unless they have some the kind of area effect ability, like Superman's super speed or laser vision or well, pretty much anything. Or yeah, in, invincibility. Like, his what, ability just, to repair walls, he could just keep fixing the wall with his eyes. <laughs> he's kissing them all and making them forget why they came. All the Uruks are like, what? I guess the, the thing I enjoy about this conversation, I'm liking this one a lot because we're, we're removing the guys that can like defeat ridiculous odds with just whatever their power is. And we're taking people that really they're great in one V one or one V a few scenarios. And we're trying to see how many of them it'll take to wipe out 10,000. Right. It's many, so many more. 
I think yeah, Batman fits more into the category of these guys than he does Flash or Superman, where they can do it by themselves. Right. Exactly. I mean, if you really think about DC Comics, like Batman is the like they have to they basically turn Batman into what he is today, so that he could be in the conversation of Superman and Flash, right? Because I'll, what he really is is just a really good detective who wants to punch people in the face. I'll tell you right? what, Brian, like, That's his whole thing. We're adding superheroes. You give me Spider-Man to web up the door, and you give me Daredevil with his sense as well, and, and I they might last till dawn. What is See, Daredevil? but Spider-Man... I'll put Daredevil in there. What's Daredevil going to do? Like, he's just going to be a badass the... fighter for a few of them. Like, he doesn't well, even he... have ranged attacks. Well, At least uh, Batman has batarangs. He has and all the range he needs with his fucking garrotes. Sure. To fight ten thousand dudes, Flint. No, I'm talking. I'm just saying, give me Spider Man. Because the and... reason why these three hundred guys in Helm's Deep were managing to live so long was they were able to hold the doors, right? But when you shrink it down to ten people or twelve people, regardless of how much better I'm telling you, man, just how do they hold give, the door? Give me Hodor, and we're good. He's hold, just yeah, there, hold on, holding he that door. Hold the door. He does not just do that. <laughs> he gives them he enough. Down. No, but he does it enough. So it buys them time to get into the throne room. But okay, so we've added Batman, and I think we're all still somewhat in agreement that they're still losing. Yeah, no, they're all losing. It's just once you have that many numbers, there's nothing like you give me anybody but Superman or Wonder Woman. I mean, Superman could literally just like lay in bed and take a nap. What are they going to do? Just whack him with swords? He can't fucking feel that shit. He just sleeps through it and makes it to dawn. He just wakes up and then just laser visions them all real quick. And you're good. They right. can't That's do why anything I'm, to I'm hurt I'm not him. allowing that level of character in the conversation. Right. Right. So you get these non-powered characters who are just there to, you know, fight. I don't know, man. I just, I think that, yeah, give me Green Arrow in that case. Him and Hawkeye are sitting up on a on on the That's balustrade fine. with uh, Legolas firing their arrows until their quiver is out. I just, I just want to know how many of these guys it would really realistically take to turn the tide without having enough numbers to hold doors, essentially. Dude, we're realistically adding <laughs> 10,000. <laughs> it would take 10,000? No, these guys no, easily I know. You defeat get, Uruks in one-on-one combat. It's just yeah, more sure. Like, you get a couple of hundred. Find a way to make it through. Like It really comes down to them being able to hold the access points, right? Or are they just all in the throne room and they just got to hold that one freaking corridor? Until dawn. You guys also get Theseus from Immortals. He was pretty good in close combat. <laughs> Do we get Leonidas? I feel, like, I feel like you can drop quite a few of those guys in and they still lose just because they get swarmed, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's the problem. Is It's just there's, the numbers is just too... It, there's not enough numbers to really make it. I mean, you give us... a Give me a hundred of the depowered characters from Marvel and DC and... And, uh, you know, video games and throw Nathan Drake and Indiana Jones and all of those people in there that are fighters, but don't have necessarily any superpowers. And yeah, maybe, maybe we're lasting till dawn, right? So because basically what you're saying is each one of those guys is only worth three of those Helm's Deep fighters because they made it with 300 people. Yeah. And, but those 300 people are also like not non, they're not, they're just dudes who get a sword for the first time. They're farmers. You know what I right. mean? Like, that's, that's why I'm that's saying that's I think argument. it would be less. I think it would be like maybe 50 of the the badass fighters. Maybe it doesn't matter. It's still a numbers game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're better fighters, but it's still they have to take on so many more. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I guess I guess the thing that we're kind of overlooking is their their weapons, right? I mean, these guys are coming in with technology that that these home steep fighters don't have. I, I guess there's not really going to be an answer here other than it's too tough to say without playing out yeah. the simulation. I mean, I can write. Be. Yeah, give me give me a couple hours and I'll write a story where the, these guys win and I find a way for it to work. Right, like that that Hawkeye shoots his explosion arrow at the powder keg while it's being measured in and it takes out half of the army or something. I think, you know I, I, think I would much pressure. prefer Superman taking a nap while orcs are just hacking at his body <laughs> and not being able to do anything. <laughs> yeah. 10,000 orcs striking Superman until their swords break. That's what you get if Superman's in there. Um, it's not a big deal for him. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think... That's a good question, but I think it's a numbers game. I think that you could play it out in the scenario that Hawkeye or Green Arrow has their exploding arrows and they hit one of the gunpowder kegs and it blows up a bunch of people in on the orc side. Um, and you get Batman out there with some bombs because he has like the bombs are blowing up doors and breaking into things and he's throwing bombs out into the crowd. Uh, or he, you know, jumps onto the back of an of a troll, and the troll is swinging about, hitting all of its comrades or whatever the fuck. Like you, you can find ways for it to work, right? With just the ten people, but in reality, I think you get ten thousand versus fifty. Yeah. It's still a loss. That's fair. I think we can end it there. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be any more of a consensus than that. I mean, think about this: How much stronger are you than an ant? right like a lot right like you can take out a lot of ants at once but you versus ten thousand ants swarming your body like i'm sorry but like that's a different conversation if those ants are coming after you climbing down your throat and shit like people get killed by ants <laughs> you know what i mean but we are so much stronger than ants but once you get into that kind of numbers game or like the zombies in The Walking Dead, Brian, like to put it on a, like a metaphor that you yeah. like. Like you, you like The Walking piled. Dead. Sure. What? You just get piled on, for sure. Yeah, you, you can kill a lot of them. But while you're killing some of them, other ones are getting closer to you. And like you can't kill all of them. All right. All right. Then I'll just change it up to make it a little simpler. 10,000 Frodo's for Sauron <laughs> without the ring. <laughs> With the ring, actually. I want to see him just swiping Frodo's. <laughs> <laughs> they're just sending they're Frodo flying. There's no hesitation. They're just jumping in. Oh, you know what? I'm going to do Samwise. Like, I, I want to say, storm in the castle. Samwise armed with frying pan. 10,000 <laughs> 10, Samwise swinging frying pans. Uh, that's very funny. We, yeah. Let's wrap it there because that's the, that's the image I want in my head for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the call to action for anybody listening. Who do you think would win? Uh, do you think that Samwise, <laughs> the 10,000 Samwise Gamgees, armed with frying pans, uh, and his little camouflage cape can take on one Sauron with the ring. You you weigh in. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, or on our email address. Uh, email address is cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at cleverkidspod. Let us know who would win. Uh, anyone want to jump in with their recommendation for the week? What did you guys watch? Oh, quickly, actually, before we jump in on that, let's just do a quickly re 
quick recap of uh, WandaVision for this week because I think that Jeff is own apology by myself because he was shown to be right. Like, yeah, I, I agreed. I didn't say that you were wrong about that, but I did make fun of you saying that you had you always think you're right about something until you're wrong. So looks like you were right. She took a town hostage. I've been seeing a lot of articles lately that uh, oh, full spoilers for WandaVision. <laughs> Anyone? Sorry. Um, but uh, that uh, Catherine Hahn's character, they think that she's Ag Agatha Harkness, which is a character I'm not super familiar with from yeah. Marvel Comics, but I did some reading up on her. Apparently she's a witch who trained Wanda at one point and has been a big part of Wanda's uh, comic book stories. Uh, I don't read a lot of Wanda Maximoff comic books or Scarlet Witch comic books. So uh, anyway, they're saying that that's who she is. Seems pretty obvious that that's who she is now that I've read those. Um, but yeah, how did you guys like that most recent episode? I thought it was cool. I, I like Darcy's character. I thought it was very funny. I mean, obviously she's representing um, the fandom of the people watching. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was cool. And I, I like, uh, oh shit, what's his name? Uh, uh, John Woo or Jimmy Woo, something like that. Nope. <laughs> that's not. That's not the character's name. I think that's oh, a detective or like yeah, Agent Woo. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I don't know. I I really enjoyed it. Ryan, have you? I, please tell me you watched it. And didn't you spoil anything for you? Uh yeah, I've seen it. I I honestly, I'm I'm kind of just getting stuck with like trying to understand how they're going to tie this stuff in i'm still kind of head swimming about you know like the direction they're taking this in terms of like running forward to the franchise i will say while well, i've seen this i haven't i haven't looked too deeply into like their future plan works like when i did that whole release stuff i didn't really look into that too much so i'm not really understanding the direction but i think sure it's i mean this one's this this yeah. specific show is going to be a standalone and Kevin Feige himself has said that if you want to understand the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you'll have to pay attention to the Disney Plus TV shows because they will directly correlate to the films. So the, I mean, the we know comments... that Wanda is in the Multiverse of Madness, this, right. the next Doctor Strange movie. So, so she... And they're saying that Doctor Strange is going to show up in the final episode. There's a rumor online that Benedict Cumberbatch was seen in town during the filming. So there, apparently, from what I've read, is was a leak where uh, like three minutes of footage was taken from the next two episodes and put online. Disney is currently searching for the person who did it and is pursuing like legal repercussions because of it. And apparently, there's also a rumor that Disney, because of these leaks, will release two episodes this week instead of one. I don't know if there's any validity to it, but. Uh, interesting nonetheless yeah I, I mean I, th I thought just to quickly wrap that up I just I, I'm glad that they last week I was like just give me something give me something please just tell me what's going on a little bit and they finally delivered I'm very happy that they finally gave me some sort of answer as to what's going on um, it was cool to see Darcy make her triumphant return to the Marvel Universe. I like Kat Dennings. I think she's funny. Randall Park is that actor's name. I got there. I didn't even have to look it up. I just found it in my head somewhere. Um, he's very funny. I like him a lot as well. Also, I think he must be from the Bay Area or something because he plays a character from the Bay Area in a lot of his stuff. Um, so Bay Area represent, if that's true. Anyway, 
Uh, we can wrap it up there. And it, like I liked that episode. Do you guys also like it? Yeah. All right. Set. Boom. It's done. Uh, nope. According to the internet, he is from Los Angeles. So fuck him. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, uh, he's probably a Dodgers fan, so I feel okay saying it. Uh, 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 Brian, you said you had some recommendations. New I have one. I have one. Anyone that has access to Apple TV, uh, the show C with Jason mm, Momoa. You jumped in on it? You got Apple TV? Yeah, yeah. We have a uh, – Anna bought an iPad to give us a, a year of free Apple TV. So when I upgraded my phone, I got a, a year free of it, and I just never activated it. But now I'm kind of wishing I had because I've heard that C is really good. It's awesome. Yeah, premise, um, the whole – like only 2 million people survived some like – I don't know if it's like a pandemic or what, but in those 2 million people uh, were blinded. And this is like 500 years later, like everybody in the world is blind and has turned back to like, basically like gone, like regressed back into in technology because of, you know, blindness makes it really hard to do stuff. Um, and they basically they've gone back to like tribal times where you're living in little, you know, tribes and, and, you know, basically surviving off the land again. Um, and, uh, Jason Momoa um, is the chieftain of a tribe who takes in a woman who gives birth to two uh, twins that can see. They have vision. And it's all about like them growing up and people trying to hide it. You know, and, and like you just think about the concept of trying to hide the fact that you can see from everyone else who's blind. It's pretty wild because they'll be like, there's a part where they're like, stop. You need to help her. She's bleeding. And they're like, how do you know that? And all of a sudden you're like, oh. You know, like things like that, where all of a sudden it's like all these blind people are looking at them like, how could you possibly know she's bleeding? They're like, I can s smell it, you know, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like, but I think they do a really good job of like letting you view a world where everyone's blind. I mean, it's, it's wild. Like the way that they get around, they like in their camps, they have like these ropes that have bells on them. And it's like their way of like, you know, not only finding their way around camp, but like announcing their arrivals and things like that. And, um. You know, like their camps are like their tribes, like they live in like these perfectly like gridded out, you know, setups with their tents. And that's, that's exactly how people who are blind would need to do it, because if you just have tents everywhere, it's going to be pretty hard to get around and be running into stuff a lot. And like just things like that. And like there's it's just a really cool concept for a show. And I think they did a pretty good job. And like their fight scenes are really crazy. Two armies full of blind people fighting. You know, you think that it would just be people just like swinging swords around you know trying to find each other but jason momoa is a badass blind fighter like he's not great with you know that's like surprising ops, in no but way. at the same time huh <laughs> so that's surprising in no way that they made jason momoa a badass <laughs> yeah he's he's awesome and in like they're fighting they're fighting it's not a whole lot of parrying each other's blows because you wouldn't really be able to do that without vision it's more like making quick moves and getting past people's swings and so you see a lot of jason momoa like getting in under somebody's attack and making quick movement. It's just really badass the way they've, they've choreographed it because it wouldn't make sense to do it another way where you rely so heavily on your vision. And a lot of the time, you, you know, when there's people moving around each other, the moment you stop moving, like they don't really know where you're at. You know what I mean? So all of a sudden you'll see them kind of freezing and listening. And like when the armies are marching, they're kind of like, like slowly wandering forward because you can't just confidently stride forward with all that noise going on around you. You have to be able to hear what's going on. And it's just, it's really fascinating the way they do it. I think it's a really well-made show. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's funny. Um, 
there's a couple other shows that I kind of want to see that are hidden behind the Apple TV wall that have made me consider jumping in on it. Uh, Mythic Quest, which is uh, one of the guys from um, It's Always Sunny. It's uh, whatever Mac, Max, uh, whatever that actor's name is. And it's sort of a Silicon Valley type show. Um, and I want to watch that. And then uh, there's another one called like Dickinson, I think, uh, that looked like it would be, looked like it was supposed to be funny. And then I've heard that Ted Lasso is like really great, which is Jason Sudeikis in some sort of comedy. I don't, I don't really, he's like a football coach who moves to England and coaches like a, a soccer team or something. I don't know. I've heard that those are all really good. So Apple TV is like suddenly making a play for my shit, my attention. Um, Jeff, what did you? What have you been up to? Uh, this week I caught up and finished Attack on Titan season three, and I'm waiting for season four to come out uh, with an English dub so that I can keep up because I know they're like a third of the way done with uh, the sub version, and I don't want to have to watch the sub version. Um, <laughs> other than that, just reading. I've read more Future State comic books. I read Aquaman. I read. Uh, Damn, you really dove in on fucking Future State. I, I've been I, trying to catch up to you, and I'm not I keeping I follow up. a lot of Instagram pages, and they'll be like, oh, I love this issue. I'll be like, did you? And then I'll read it and be like, okay, it wasn't that bad. Um, I read the Superman one that you recommended, the War... War of the Worlds, the Worlds at War. Whatever it's called. I didn't really... It didn't really grab me that much. Like, it, the first half of it was fucking boring. It was just like yeah. other... Like, all the people just being like... I mean, it was interesting as, like, a one-shot if it was, like, for, like, a Superman annual or something like that. It'd be like, okay, this is kind of fun. Like, Superman's gone, and all these people are, like, now worshipping as a god and blah, blah, blah. But I just was like, eh, I'm not liking this that much. The art in it is incredible, though. I, I think I that prefaced it by saying really the first it. half was slow, but the second half picked up a lot. Yeah, it, it got better, for sure. Um, so I'm interested to see what they do for issue two on that one. Um, and I have not caught up on any of the other ones. I have not had as much time to read comics this week as I would have liked. Um, cool. I uh, dropped the ball this week. I didn't really have time to do anything uh, as far as like watching anything. Kelly and I have been just catching up on Peaky Blinders. Finally caught up on that. Still great. Everyone watch it. Um, and then otherwise, I, I jumped back in on Horizon Zero Dawn and have been playing through the story mode on that again. And uh, it's still one of my favorite games of all time. That's all I really have to say about it. Uh, otherwise, I think we can wrap up the show today. We're, we're really... Brian and I, Brian and I are going to have an ongoing discussion. I guess it's not a discussion, but we're going to start a campaign on Total War Troy one day soon, and we'll have to give our weekly updates of how I do with my campaign and how many times I save Brian's ass. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that. This is a long episode, guys. I'm yep. yawning let's, let's from go. it. Let's go to wrap it up there. Yeah, let's wrap it up. I uh, get in touch with us on our email address, cleverkidspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, cleverkidspod, uh, and answer whatever that question was that we asked earlier. Um, all right. Bye. Bye, Thanks, guys. guys.